But if you're just joining us, we, we paused the series that we had kicked off two weeks ago so that we could have Pastor Jacob. Um, but we've been on this series that we're, we're titling Broke. And we're talking about finances. How many of you guys have ever been broke? Like, so broke, you don't even know what you're going to do tomorrow. Like, you're enjoying the AC right now and not sure if you're going to have it tomorrow. Anybody been that broke? Okay, so that's what we've been talking about. But we decided to kind of take a different spin on it because the truth is there's some principles within the scripture that can really help us. Because here's the truth. I don't know if you know this, but poverty is actually a mentality. It's a mentality. It's a mindset. And so what we want to do is we want to pull some principles from the scripture that can really help us. Because a lot of times when we grow up in a small mind, or a small mind, a small town, we have a small mindset. And so maybe some of you, you've come from poor families, or you've come from poverty, or you've come from a terrible background, and so your mindset is, this is just how it's always going to be. And our goal within this series is just to break some of that down, because the truth is we may live in a small town, but we serve a big God, right? And, and so it does not limit what God can do. But I want to start off with a question. Have you ever tried to talk God into doing something that you wanted him to do? <laughs> if you're like, hey God, I know you got all these plans and you got this, you know, schedule plan for my life. I'm just not really getting it. So here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and here's what I need you to bless. And here's what I've learned as I've grown, as I've matured in the faith. It doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. Actually, the more that I've grown, the more that I've realized that I have to get involved with what God is already doing because it's already blessed. Instead of begging God to bless what I'm doing. As a matter of fact, I've learned that the truth is God's ways are just a whole lot higher than mine. See, what we see is roadblocks sometimes. God sees, no, that's an opportunity to grow your character. That's an opportunity to increase your integrity. That's an opportunity for you to grow. How many of you can look back at some of the most painful seasons of your life, and it may have sucked, it may have been hard, but you look back on it a year later and you go, you know what, I'm thankful for that. Show of hands, how many have ever been there? We've all been there. But here's what, I'm, here's what I want to tell you this morning is that oftentimes when you find yourself stuck, I want you to understand this, that God is on a completely different wavelength than we are. Actually, the scriptures teach us this in Isaiah 55. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. How many ever pause and go like, but God, I wish my, your thoughts were my thoughts, my thoughts were your thoughts. I wish we could get on the same wavelength here, right? But he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So here's what this means. Whatever God is doing in your life right now, it may look like a disaster, but you don't even have the ability to comprehend the end of the story. You don't even have the ability to comprehend exactly what God is doing in your life. So here's what I want to charge you with this morning. Could it be possible that for so long we feel stuck in our finances because we're praying for God to bless us right where we're at and God is saying, no, 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 you need to go get involved with what I'm already doing because it's already blessed. So here's what God could be calling us to do this morning. Abandon your plan and get involved with God's plan. How many know that's hard because that leaves us with a sense of no control? Any control freaks in here, tap one if you know one. Don't do that. That's not going to go well for you. <laughs> but we, we all love control, right? And the truth is we have to wrap our heads around this mindset that when God is working in our lives, it doesn't always look how we want it to look. 
many of you guys ever worked out before and you're like, God, I just, I want to get in the gym, want to lift a few weights, and I want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger like two days later, right? But how do you know it doesn't work like that? It doesn't work like that. It is diligence, it's discipline over and over and over. So I want to talk about three things real quick, because if we're going to talk about what God actually blesses, I want you to understand first what he doesn't bless. Number one, God doesn't bless fear. God doesn't bless fear. Now, I want you to get this. You cannot trust God and be full of fear. You cannot fully trust God and be full of fear. You can't really say, God, I trust you with every circumstance in my life, but I'm terrified. I don't know how this is going to work out because true trust comes in this blind mode of going, God, you've been so faithful and so good to me in the past, so I'm going to keep moving forward. So the first thing that God doesn't bless is fear. This is why I want to talk about money because money has the ability to grab your heart like nothing else in this world. How many of you ever held on to it because of fear? How many of you ever held on to your plans because of fear and then you realize that your plans wrecked your, your life? That shipwrecked you? The second thing, God doesn't bless unforgiveness. God doesn't bless unforgiveness. Jesus actually taught that you can't go through life holding grudges against people who did something wrong to you and then expect God to forgive you. Now, I know this is difficult, but Jesus even teaches us in the scriptures. He says, listen, if you can't forgive your brother, then I cannot forgive you. Now, let me back up here because sometimes it seems like, whoa, whoa, what does this actually mean? Like, am I just supposed to forget what people have done to me? That's not what I'm saying. It means that he's bigger than what was done to you. That God is actually bigger than what has actually happened to you. So God doesn't look at if you were taken advantage of or if something happened to you or you were rejected or something painful happened. He's not saying that you just forget and forgive because how many know that's impossible? But it is anchoring ourselves to a God who is bigger than the situation that was done to you. Like, God, I don't see the way out right now. I don't know how I'm going to forgive this person right now, but I'm going to start on the journey to work towards it. God will not bless unforgiveness. The third thing, God doesn't bless envy. Now, this is something that our culture struggles with a lot. So we look at it and we go, well, God is big enough to bless everybody else but me. <laughs> Ever been there before? Maybe when you look at somebody else and you look at what they have and you can go, well, God, thank you for giving me these things, but why have you given them so much and me so little? Envy reduces God as big for everybody else and small for you. How many have ever gotten like the new iPhone? And you're like, I finally got the new one. And then the new one comes out and you feel like yours is junk. <laughs> and you're envying the other person. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you're like, man, I love my job. And then your friend gets a better job than you. And you're like, curse you. <laughs> right? Because you're envious of what those other people have. Here's the truth. I want to talk to us about things that God already blesses. Because that's where we have to move our mindset today. We talked about in the first week that God's currency is not the dollar bill. At the end of the day, that God's currency is ultimately wisdom. How many of you have made some stupid financial decisions because of a lack of wisdom when you were young? I mean, like, (laughs) right? Probably the stupidest decisions that we've ever made in our life, specifically with our finances, is because we did not apply wisdom. But the very first point, that, or the very last point that I made two weeks ago, the thing about wisdom is it has to be converted. You can't just have wisdom. 
Because how many have ever had people, you talk to them, and they have a whole ton of wisdom, but they never do anything with the wisdom that they have? <laughs> so they can look at the situation and say, well, I know the right thing to do, but I know to do the right thing is going to be a lot of hard work. So here's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about diligence. Now, diligence defined is simply this. The quality of persevering, being careful in your work, and being industrious. Meaning this, we work hard for what we have. We work hard for what we have. Watch what the Bible says in Proverbs 10.4. Lazy hands make a poor man. Lazy hands make a poor man. But watch this. But diligent hands, but hardworking hands bring wealth. Now this is the same verse, but a different translation. He who is slow in his work becomes poor, but the hand of the ready worker gets in wealth. I say all this to say that there is no such thing as getting rich quick. I was chatting with a young guy the other day, and uh, he was asking me some different things about finances, and he's like, man, I'm just struggling. I don't know how I'm going to pay this. I don't know how I'm going to do that. And I'm like, well, where do you work? He's like, I don't have a job. I was like, oh, well, let's start there. <laughs> and, and then he goes this. He's like, well, I've had a few job offers, but I'm really waiting for a job that's going to pay me about $100,000 a year. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and here's the truth. That's the problem specifically with the millennial generation, my generation. We look at what our parents have, and we want it right now. And we're not willing to work for it. How many have some teenagers that don't understand the value of a dollar and they just say, hey, dad, give me some money. (laughs) And you're like, son, do you understand how long it took me to actually have money? (laughs) It's crazy because the things of the world actually understand diligence. Casinos understand diligence. You ever looked at a casino? It's like the Ritz-Carlton has a building, marble floors, fancy restaurants. How many were at a casino last night? Don't raise your hand. But you look at it, and you look at the building, and it's amazing. And then you look at the parking lot, and the cars don't look that great, do they? (laughs) Why is that? Because the casinos are diligent to sell you something that never pans out how you want it to in the end. They're diligent to constantly sell you, man, you could get rich quick. You could, but chances are you'll go broke, (laughs) right? It's interesting when you look at the world, and it understands diligence that yet people within the church don't understand this concept. Have you ever asked a child what they want to be when they grow up? I was reading a survey the other day, and uh, it says there's a ton of, I don't remember the exact number, but it says a ton of kids when they want to grow up, it was like common answers that they give. One was like, I want to be a policeman, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a doctor. How many of you know it's one thing to say what you want to be, but it's a whole different thing to actually be it? <laughs> like we can say we want to be a doctor, but I want you to understand what that entails, right? So let's break it down. So you go to school for 10 years. 10 years. You just finished school for 10 years, all the way from pre-K all the way to high school. Then you go 10 more. You got all the schooling, and then they say go to residency. You spend another three years there. Then you're finally a doctor, and you say, I get to be a doctor. Oh, yeah, but I got to work really hard because I got about a million dollars in debt, right? To actually be something requires discipline. It requires diligence. A 
few weeks ago, we have all these pastors that gather from all of our churches and at our Lafayette campus, and Pastor Tim has taken all these younger pastors, and he kind of pours into them. He's been mentoring us and teaching us and all this stuff. It's been phenomenal. And he had a guest that was there. He's not part of our family and churches, but he's getting ready to plant a church, and he asked me. He follows us on social media, and he says, how did y'all get to where you are? He said, 95% of churches that plant in a town like us do not make it. They last six months and they close the doors. Like, how do you guys have people coming? How is it happening? And you know what I told him? Can I tell you? It's not because of my skinny jeans. (laughs) It's not because I look good, and I do. It's not because of any, it's not because we have like cool social media stuff. It's not because we have cool graphics on the screen. Can I tell you why this works? Because we have diligent people that show up every single morning and make this thing happen. I genuinely believe we have a group of the best volunteers here at this church. People that show up at six o'clock in the morning never complain. They're consistent, and they do it over and over and over and over again. And I am positive that sometimes when they wake up in the morning and the alarm clock goes off, they don't want to wake up. They don't want to be here. Say, you know, I don't feel like setting up a kid's environment. I don't feel like laying more mats down and setting up all this equipment and doing all of that. The reason this church exists is not because it's cool. It's because we have diligent people that put in the work. And the truth is, it's the same with our finances. There is no such thing as getting rich quick. There is no such thing as God just magically blessing you. It's being diligent with what you have, hardworking with what you have. See, diligence turns financial blessing into wisdom. (laughs) How many of you, just show of hands, you would like to be financially blessed? Can, Can I tell you something? Until you get the right perspective, God will not do it. He will not give you more until he can trust you with what you already have. We're always crying out, God, give me more. And he says, well, if I give you more, what are you going to do with it? You know, Rick Warren, who wrote the best-selling book of all time outside of the Bible, he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. You've probably heard of it. It has sold millions of copies. It is the second best-selling book of all time outside of the Bible. And he goes, let me tell you why God let me write this book. He said, 20 years before I ever wrote the book, he said, every single year I made a promise to God that we would give more and more to the kingdom. He said, by the time I wrote the book, he said, I was already giving away 40% of my income to the kingdom. And he said, when I wrote the book and I realized, like he didn't realize it was going to do that well. When he wrote the book and he realized it was going to do well, this is crazy. He signed off all the rights to the church. He never made a dime from it. He gave it all back away, and he said, I'll tell you why God let me write that book, because he knew what I was going to do with the money that came in. He could trust me with it. And so could it be possible that God doesn't give us more because he can't trust us with what we already have? So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about what diligence actually looks like. Number one, diligence is a learned behavior. It doesn't come naturally. Another way that we could say it is hard work is a learned behavior. Parents, you see this in your children, right? They don't pop out of the womb like, Dad, put me to work. (laughs) They just don't, right? My wife and I try to teach our kids this every single day. Like, if you're going to live in this house, you're going to contribute to this family. So what does this mean? 
you wash dishes, you clean the, the floors, you do, you do things. And people can call it like we're treating our kids as slaves. But listen, we are teaching them diligence. That when you get out there in the real world, nobody's going to make your bed. <laughs> nobody's going to clean your dishes. I was chatting with Isaac yesterday. We got a dog about a month ago, and I'm still trying to figure out why. Because he's a puppy. And he thinks my living room floor is the grass, if you get the picture. He's pooing all over my house. <laughs> and Isaac came to me the other day, and he's like, because we told him, if we get a dog, it's your responsibility. If he does something in the house, y'all are cleaning it up. I'm not touching it. And so <laughs> for a month, they've been cleaning poo off the floor. And he came to me yesterday, he's like, oh, Dad, he's like, Shep, the, the dog's name is Shep. He's like, Shep, it's just it's so much work. I gotta feed him, I gotta clean him, I gotta pick up his poo, clean his pee, and I'm like, son, it sounds exactly like you. <laughs> I'm, you're just being prepared for what it means to be a father. <laughs> How many know that your kids don't understand the value of a dollar? At all. A few years ago, we decided for Christmas that we were gonna stop buying our kids gifts and buy experiences. So we go on a big vacation every Christmas holiday. Our kids love it. And so I was talking to Eli yesterday. We're we're planning on going back to Tennessee. And uh, he's like, hey, Dad, when we're done with Tennessee, um, do you think we could go to Colorado? (laughs) I was like, do you know how much money it takes to get to Tennessee? (laughs) Like, doesn't understand the value of a dollar at all. None of us start with a diligent attitude. Proverbs 19.15 says it this way, Lazy people sleep soundly, but idleness leaves them hungry. That's why teenagers sleep so good, because parents, you consistently feed them. Now, here's the truth. It's normal to be unmotivated. That's normal. Have you ever had people that say, I just love working out? Anybody ever heard that? Like, I've never said that in my life. I'm just being honest. But everybody that grows to love it, it was a learned behavior. It didn't just start. You don't wake up in the morning and you're like, yes, let me go get sore. (laughs) Yes, let me wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning because I got to work and that's where I got to go do it and work out. The only people that say they love to work out is they're probably a part of a cult known as CrossFit. (laughs) 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 I'm not joking. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I can't tell you how many times that I've gone to the gym, because there's not many. (laughs) But I've never gone, and I'm like, I want to be here. I've never left my house, and I'm like, dude, I'm so excited to go to the gym. It It has to be something that is premeditated. It's the same thing with reading the scriptures for me. I have to make a decision every single morning to crack open the Bible and connect with Jesus. Diligence is a learned behavior. Choosing to do something takes more than just feeling like doing it. It takes diligence. People who only do things because they feel like it will never establish anything. The truth is our feelings are not a good motivator. So it requires diligence. And this is the same thing with our finances. There's going to be times in your life where you don't want to give. You don't want to be generous. You don't want to save. You don't want to do these things. But if we're diligent enough, that is what God blesses. Number two, 
Wisdom and diligence are the same side of the coin, are two different sides of the same coin. Wisdom comes first, but here's the truth. You can still be wise and not be diligent. But you have to combine it with wisdom and diligence. They have to live together. Because how many know a lot of wise people that never do anything? So they have tons of wisdom, so they can look at the situation and say, well, if you would have saved more money, but they don't save money. Well, if you would have done this, we could have done this. They have tons of wisdom, but they never act upon it. James 1, 22 through 25 actually says it this way. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forget what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and he's talking about if you hear the words and you do the words, and is not forgetful, hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So, so there, listen, my job every single Sunday morning is simply to do one thing, is to present you with the truth, and then it's your job to make a decision with what you do with that truth. So saying, hey, here's what the scripture teaches us. Now it's on you to live it out. Because here's what we've gotten really, really, really good at in church. Amen. Yes, that's good. We tweet it. We Facebook it. We Instagram it. But we don't do anything about it. Can I tell you something? This is the reason why Christianity is boring for you. It's boring because you're not tapping into the life that God actually created you to live. He's created you to hear these words. They're to inspire you. They're to encourage you. They're to fill you up so that you can take everything that you've learned and bring it out there. Number three, this is a big one, and I've personally had to learn this one. Number three, diligence is about character, not personality. You ever look at some people who are like, well, they're just more motivated than I am. They're just more disciplined than I am. No, they're not. They just make a decision every single morning to continue doing it, even if they don't feel like it. They've gotten to a place where their feelings don't dictate their actions. They've gotten to a place where they say, I'm going to be consistent regardless of even if I don't feel like it. Because here's the truth. It's easy to quit, but it takes character to stay in the game. Can I tell you how I learned that? I didn't learn that launch Sunday of starting this church. September 14, 2014 was the first Sunday that we launched. And when we launched, I remember I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I drove from my house and sat at McDonald's. I was just so, like, I had so much energy. I couldn't sleep the night before. I'm thinking, like, is anybody, it's going to be me and, like, three people in the audience. Is anybody going to show up? And then the first Sunday, 185 people showed up. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I, I have discovered the secret. Like, this is amazing. The next Sunday, 100 people showed up. And you know what I learned in that? As we grew, and, and there was dips, and there was dives, and there was people that came, and people that left, and people that said that they'd always be with us, and people that leave. You counsel people, you pastor people, you love people. They still cuss you out. They still don't like you. Nobody is, you're, you can't please everybody. You just can't. And you know what I learned in the middle of all of that? 
some of the most difficult things that my wife and I have walked through. But here's the crazy thing. In the most difficult season of planting a church has also been the most profound and greatest joy. Why? Because at the end of the day, God was building my character. God was building our integrity. And can I tell you something? Some Monday mornings, it would be so much easier to quit. <laughs> like, God, I could leave. I could go make way more money. <laughs> I would have less stress, less of a headache. But here's the truth. Talent will only get you so far. Character is the only thing that's going to keep you there. Because here's the truth. You could be the most talented communicator. You could be the most gifted person at whatever job you are. But if you don't have the character, you won't stick it out for the long haul. And you'll never receive the blessings that God had for you. This is why I'm so grateful for spiritual family. I don't say this pridefully, and I'm not saying this to like, but in our church family, there has never been a pastor that has fallen into sexual immorality. Never. And here's why I say that. Because there's covering. Because there's constantly us meeting with other pastors, sharing our life with people. Why? Because we care about character. We care about integrity. We talk about these things. We talk about our feelings. We talk about the things that we want to do, but we're not going to do. You know why? Because we understand there's other pastors that may be more gifted, can speak better, can do all those things. But if you stick with it, you keep the character, you stay the course, God's going to continue to bless that. And that's what matters. At the end of the day, that's what God cares about in your life, your character and your integrity, not your talent. Because your talent comes to you effortlessly because he gave it to you. Some of us have the talent to sing. Some of us don't and shouldn't. <laughs> But I learned that when you pioneer something, especially when you follow a dream that God has for you, it's going to be hard and you're going to want to quit. But if you stick with it, that's what God blesses. Here's the truth. Character is the only thing that keeps you in the game when you want to quit. It's the only thing. The only thing that keeps you in the game when you want to quit. Now, I said this in the first service, and I think this is one of the most important things that I'll say. Your greatest challenge will not come from the devil. Your greatest challenge will not come from the enemy. Your greatest challenge in life will come from your own emotions. Show of hands, how many of you ever had something that you know that you should do, but you don't feel like doing it? <laughs> Watch what Proverbs 13, 4 says. The soul, if you're following in a, in a paper Bible or you can highlight something, highlight that word. The soul of the sluggard, desires but has nothing. So what is the scripture teaching us? It says the problem with the person is not his checkbook, it's his soul. Like the problem is our mind is in an unhealthy place. The problem is our will is in an unhealthy place. The problem is our emotions are in a healthy place. Here's what Jesus is saying in a nutshell if we were to apply this to our finances. People who give in to their emotions and feelings don't do well financially, ever. So let me explain it to you like this. How many of you ever went into Walmart and said, I'm only going to spend $20 and come out spending $500? <laughs> like, I'm here for bread, milk, cereal. Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. My wife has helped me with this because I, 
I, like in, in usually most relationships, you have somebody who's a spender and, and a saver. My wife can pinch every penny. I'm like, money is for us to have fun, <laughs> right? I've had to learn diligence through her. Like, babe, if you spend all that, we will not be able to pay rent next week, <laughs> right? But people who give in to their emotions and feelings will never do well financially. So here's the truth. You can't always depend on your feelings because your feelings don't always cooperate with what God has for you. They don't always line up with what God wants for you. So that leads me to number four. Diligence gives you influence. Diligence gives you influence. If you are a teenager or at least under the age of 25, hear me on this. The most important lesson that you can learn right now is to find a job, keep the job, even if you don't like it. Don't quit. Don't quit. Because how many know this? It's easy to quit. It's hard to stay. It's hard to stay. Proverbs 12.24 puts it like this. Diligent hands will rule. What is this meaning? Meaning a diligent person will be the one that has the most influence and will end up running things. So it doesn't mean that you came from this prominent family. It doesn't mean that you came out of wealth and you have all this money. It means that if you are always the hardest working person in the room, God will always elevate you. Always. So why is influence and leadership so important? Why is it so important? Because our world today needs leadership and influence from people that have integrity and character more than ever right now. So God wants to teach us diligence so that we can be lights out in the world that, like, why aren't you quitting? Aren't you being treated unfairly? You know what, I'm going I'm to keep drilling down. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep working. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what God blesses. Number five. Diligence teaches you how to be a godly leader. Now, and I'm not just saying a boss. Like, even husbands, this teaches you how to be a godly leader in your home. Moms, this teaches you how to be a godly leader in your home. Watch what Mark 10, 42, verse 45 says. You know that those who are regarded as rulers or as a boss of the Gentiles lord it over them. How many of you have ever had a boss who just loves the title of being a boss? Like, he just loves to remind you that he's your boss. (laughs) That's what they're saying right here. And their officials exercise authority over them. Can I tell you something? It takes no character and no integrity to be a boss. No character, no integrity just to say, do it because I said do it because I'm the boss. Have you ever had a boss that just loves the power, loves the authority? Watch what Jesus says. Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great, whoever wants to be a leader, whoever wants to have influence, watch this. You must be a servant. (laughs) And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus said this, my attitude about everything I'm doing is not to see if I can be the boss to see if I can be the servant because the servant is the one that will be elevated. The servant is the one that will carry and possess the most influence. It's crazy because when Jesus came into this world, people thought that he was going to ascend to the throne. 
that already come from a prominent, wealthy, rich family, and he comes from a shepherd boy, a mother who was a teenager. And he says, the way that I'm going to influence the world is I'm going to serve the world. I'm going to live among them. I want to make tables and chairs for 30 years, and then for three years, I'm going to make disciples. And I'm going to serve people. I'm going to wash their feet. I'm going to heal blind people. I'm going to go into places that nobody else wants to go into. I'm going to serve them. So why do I say all this? The best thing you can do for your own welfare and your own finances is to seek the welfare of other people first. So I want to close with these thoughts. Diligence is the great equalizer. Meaning this, it levels the playing field. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what town you came from or what school you went to or what race you are, if you were able to finish college or you weren't, if you have a degree or if you don't. If you're willing to say, I'm going to be diligent, I'm willing to work hard, God will always elevate you. It doesn't matter where you came from. The second thought is this diligence will work for you. Meaning it doesn't matter what your status was. I'm going to tell you one of the reasons we want to plan a church in a smaller community was simply because of this. Because so many people grow up in this poverty mentality. Meaning my parents were like this so that's how I can be because I don't see any other way out. I said this two weeks ago. Do you know this? That Jesus never places your life in the possession of somebody else's hands. He never places your future in your parents' hands your grandparents' hands, or where you grew up in town. Your future is in your own hands. And so what does it take? It takes us submitting and surrendering that to God and say, God, I'll be diligent to work with what I have. The third thing, I love this thought, diligence promotes when power cannot. Meaning it promotes when talent fails. It's the greatest equalizer. You will never work for a boss that will have beef with you if you're always the hardest person, hardest working person in the room. If you're lazy, if you're sluggish, if you don't want to get the job done, if you do it halfway, that's where we get in all kinds of things. But here's what I want you to understand. I was talking to Pastor Jacob this week and he said, Zach, I genuinely believe that 2019 is going to be the year that you guys get a building. And I believe that. But here's what I want you to understand. This is going to require diligence, not only from our end, but from every person in this audience. Because the money that we need to build a building is already here in this room. And so it requires all of us saying, you know what, this is not Zach's church, it's not Claire's church, this is my church, and God, what are you calling me to do to be a part of this? Now, I want you to remember something, what I said, and I opened up with, God will not bless fear. He just won't do it. So when we give the first of what we bring in every single week or month or every other week, whatever it is, when we give the first of what God has given us, here's what I want you to understand. That's why Claire and I automate it every single week. So I don't even have the ability, if I look at my finances and I'm fearful, it just comes out without me thinking. Well, I don't know what's going to happen this week. So here's what it does. It forces me to say, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you regardless of what I see. I'm not saying that we don't use wisdom. I'm not saying that you're stupid. We had a lady a few years ago who was giving a significant amount to the church. and 
And she was calling the church up for financial assistance. And I'm like, hold on, this doesn't make any sense. She's like, yeah, I've just been trusting God. I haven't been paying my mortgage, my utility. I'm like, that's dumb. (laughs) So I'm not saying anything like that, okay? What I am saying, though, is we all have to jump on board and say, God, I'm going to start trusting you with my money. So that means, God, I'm going to do something. What can I do? What can you do? Do you know in the average church of about three, 400 people that only about 5 to 6% of the people in the church give? So here's what that means. All of us, all the, the other percentage of us, we come in here, we love to inhale and breathe in all the goodness that God teaches us, but we don't actually believe what we're learning. So here's what I want to challenge you with. What would your life look like if you trusted God fully with everything, and I'm not just talking about your money. What would your life look like if you trusted God with your relationships? What would your life look like if you trusted God with your finances? What would your life look like if you trusted God with your depression and anxiety? What would it look like? What could your life look like if you stepped back for a moment, you were no longer the person driving the car, and you said, you know what, God? I've been in control too long. I've been asking you to bless my plans. And you know what? It's time for me to get involved with what you're already doing because it's already blessed. And then everything in your life begins to change. When Claire and I made the commitment to give, regardless of what was going on in our life, regardless if we had an excess of money or if we didn't have a lot of money, we said we're going to give every single week, no matter what, and it's going to be the first thing that we do. I can't tell you how much God has blessed us. And it's not just finances. There's been times where we look and we go, okay, I don't know what we're going to do this week. I can't tell, my wife can sit here as a testament and tell you there has literally been weeks where I show up to the mailbox and there's just random checks dropped in my mailbox. Where does this come from? Or there's been seasons where Claire and I are able to connect with each other on a deeper level that we've never had before. Because I'm not saying that we do it perfectly because believe me, we don't. I'll be the first person to tell you in here that I'm flawed and I have many mistakes. If you want to know some, I could, I could drag out a list. <laughs> but I do know this. I'm trying to do everything in my life to say, God, I give you control of absolutely everything. And usually the last thing to go in our life is our money. Because it's the thing that scares us to death. It's the thing that goes, God, I can trust you with everything else, but I just don't know if you're going to provide for me. And I love the scripture that says, do the birds of the air run around and worry? (laughs) Do you ever see them anxious about what they're going to eat the next day? No, God just takes care of them. That's how God has called us to live. So what if we put him first? So I want to challenge you this morning. As you saw earlier, If you've never given here, I want to challenge you to do that. We've already taken that up, so that's fine. But I want you to make a commitment. God, this isn't Zach's church. This is my church. And how do I, how am I able to be a part of this? Because the truth is, is when we all dive on board, here's what I genuinely believe. That this church is called to make a difference in this city. This church is called to impact lives. It's called to change the economy of this city. It's called to be an influence. And I believe that this is the church that's going to do it. But the truth is, it doesn't happen until we're all on board. It doesn't happen until we're all in, saying, God, I'm all in, and I'll do whatever it takes.